0: Good morning, I'm David Bishop. Uh, It's good to be with you guys. It is always an honor uh, to be able to to be up here. I get to do it uh, every once in a while. Um, Today, I get to be up here because February 1997, you know how you have these events in your life and you kind of use them as milestones and they, uh, you know, for some people they're not uh, terribly meaningful. Uh, Some Folks, they aren't terribly meaningful. Well, in February of 1997, I was a Young Life leader here in the Kanawha Valley. And we, we went up to Ogilvy uh, for a leadership conference. And on the way back, they were like, hey, let's stop off at Mon General because Stacy Santon just had a baby and we want to see her. So February 1997, Emily Santon was born and I was there. Right? And I didn't know the Sands very well. They were Morgantown Young Life folks. I'd kind of, you know, interacted with them a little bit. So, and I think that's one of the reasons why I remember it so vividly is because I'm like, I really shouldn't be in the hospital room right now. This is kind of creepy. You know, I don't know. Hey, way to go on having a baby. (laughs) So I think that that's probably why I remember it. But you know, it's great. 22 years later, Emily is graduating today from Miami of Ohio with an education degree. Oh, isn't that tremendous? And I get to look back on the 22 years since she's been born and the way that God weaved and put into place all the things that happened with the Santon family and with River Ridge Church. It really is amazing to see how God provided for them and the way that they, you know, they came to Charleston, I think, And, you know, you want to double-check Matt on all these facts. But I'm pretty sure Matt just, they gave Matt a couple hundred dollars and said, said, go start a church in Charleston. Good luck. Pray a lot. You'll be fine. You know, and he just, faith, he came down here and he did it. You know, we were down at the theater uh, for a while and we came up here. Oh, and I I should say, I remember being down at the theater and uh, uh, Jordan Gibson who's also graduating from high school. One of the first talks I ever gave, I invited Jordan Gibson up and a couple other kids, and they were all in preschool at that time. So uh, she's graduating. It's like, oh my goodness, all, this thing, all these things, it, it goes so fast, but it really is exciting to see. Now thousands of people are coming to River Ridge, Charleston, River Ridge, Taze Valley. Thousands of people because of the faithfulness of the Santons. It's just amazing, right? So that's uh, really excited. And I'm really looking forward to the next 22 years. Uh, What's going to happen? What are we going to see? Is Matt's Peninsula of Hair going to turn into an island, maybe? (laughs) And if so, is he going to plant stuff in there? Uh, Will Sand, I don't know if you guys know Will Sand or not. His nickname is Beefhauser, right? He's gigantic. I'm wondering if he's gonna get a job at Kroger so he can kind of cut out the middleman and just get the food right in his face. We had him over to babysit for our kids, an hour and a half, an hour and a half. That was it, right? We got home, I opened up the pantry and I'm like, where did all the food go? And my kid said, Beefhauser ate it, amen. So, so be careful, if he babysits for your kids, you may wanna lock up the food or, or, or set some stuff out, right? Uh, so it is exciting. Today, we're continuing our God is series, and God is uh, truly our provider. All right, so let's look, let's take a look at some scripture here. With God is our provider, right? So go ahead and click that skip and let's go. Let me ask this. How, How much of your needs, how many of your needs does God provide? What goes in that blank right there? All. Does anybody else have another answer is most some partial. I don't know. I mean, we're going to look at scripture. We're going to figure that out. But, uh we're going to uh, check this out, but is there I mean, we instinctively, we already know what the answer is to that, don't we? But let's find out. Let's uh double check this. We'll take a look at two verses that Paul wrote. We're going to check the interweb, see what the interweb has to say about this. Uh, and then we're going to go uh to Matthew, and some definitive uh, information. All right, so let's look at Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Jesus Christ. Will supply every need of yours. 2 Corinthians 9, eight. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. All right, let's see what the interweb has to say. So these are things that I pulled off uh, of my Facebook page from folks here at church. You know, sometimes uh, inspirational, Holly Fields, uh, it put something up. God will give you the strength you need to get through your situation. Trust Him. Uh, Janet Drake put up something from A.W. Tolzer Theological Seminary. God is looking for people through whom He can do the impossible. What a pity we plan only to do the things that we can do ourselves. So, God can use us, give us everything we need, so He can. This is what the interweb says, so He can. Uh, do the impossible through us, right? And God will give us all the strength that we need to go through any uh, life's difficult situations. And, you know, uh, the interweb, you have to always put an asterisk by it, you know, maybe assume that the things are true, but I think those two things are uh, completely solid. All right, but let's go to the definitive source, right? Let's go, let's check in. Let's check in with Jesus Let's see what Jesus had to say on this issue. He's going to give us the the most solid foundation of what we need to look at, right? Matthew 6, 25, 26. you probably heard these verses. You may have memorized these verses. You may quote these verses. This is Jesus. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is life more than food, and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Every need, all of our needs, from salvation to milk, spiritual physical, emotional. There's not a need that you can think of or that you have that God cannot provide. Now, if you've ever never heard that message, man, that is awesome and comforting. Meditate on it. Take it. Think about it. For most of us, I think we already knew at the beginning. We know this. Mentally, we know this, right? Well, let's, uh, let me show you two folks that really uh, lived by faith. Uh, have you all ever heard of George and Mary M- Mueller? I don't know. I think we got pictures of them. I think this is their wedding picture. <laughs> pretty romantic, isn't it? The bells hanging. I don't even think they're they're in the same place. They're just kind of squished together. So George and Mary Mueller. I didn't. I had not heard of these folks until just a couple months ago, and they've come up three or four times in different uh, situations. And I thought, wow, that's pretty neat. So I bought a couple books about George and Mary Mueller and and read. These folks were really uh, astounding. So they started an orphanage in Bristol, England back in the 1800s. And it grew and grew, and thousands of uh, orphaned children uh, across England were taken care of because were taken care of because of the faith in, of George and Mary Mueller. But they didn't have a fundraising team. They did not have a marketing arm. They did not go into their community and ask for support they stepped out in childlike faith and said, God will provide what we need. And it is astounding story after story. He kept a diary of the daily needs and how they were provided. And it is really amazing the specific petitions to God, specific dollar amounts, and how over and over and over again, people would show up at the door with that specific dollar amount. And so I I would encourage you to read those because they really are inspiring. But I will tell you one of the most famous uh, stories with George and Mary Mueller, which is just, uh, it's so amazing. It's almost unbelievable, right? But uh, so when they were still small, growing, all the children in the orphanage were around uh, the table, No food that day, no milk. And so uh, George said, okay, we're going to pray for food and for milk, all right? So they did. They prayed for food and milk. Say amen. There's a knock on the door. It's the local baker. He says to George Mueller, God woke me up last night at 2 o'clock. And he said that I should bake you bread to bring here this morning. And he gives him a bunch of bread. Amazing, right? Amazing. So they take the bread inside. A few minutes later, there's a knock on the door. It happens to be a milk truck driver who says, the milk truck has broken down right in front of your orphanage. We need to get the milk out of the truck so that we can fix it. Do you all need some milk? Can we give you all some milk if you know you help us move it, or whatever? So they had bread and milk directly after. And it is not an isolated story of faith on George and Mary Mueller. It, it really is inspiring. And if you want to get a jump start on how do I trust God? Uh, That is a great place to go and look uh, for some inspiration. So we know God will provide. If we have faith like the Mueller's, he'll take care of us. All right, that's all we need to do, right? Can we wrap it up? Go get a donut hole. I'll pray for us. But that's not, it's not it, right? And we know that's not it. Because for us, Think It's not, for most of us, this doesn't apply to everybody, but I think in this congregation, for most of us, it's not, am I going to eat today or be able to eat today? It's, am I going to eat too much today? Oh, should I have that other piece of pie? What am I going to take to the potluck dinner, right? It's not, where am I going to stay tonight or do I have a place to sleep? It's, do I have enough insurance on the home that we have in case something bad happens? In case there's an act of God. <laughs> That's a good piece of irony there, right? You know? Uh, uh, it's not do we have a place to go and congregate and worship God? It's is the place we go. Uh, to be able to worship and congregate, God, do uh, you know? Do they have a good pastor, and do they have good coffee, and does their drummer rock? All right. <laughs> yeah, Dylan, he rocks. Stack on it. Yeah. So those are the uh, you know, and and money, it, uh, it's not a lot of times. Do I have enough money? It's Am I putting the money in the right places? Am I allocating that correctly? Do we have enough savings? What about a trip? What about a vacation? You know, we think about those things. So I think a lot of times our daily needs, you know, are met by God. He's given us these things, but it's almost as if we take them for granted. So why do we have so much fear and anxiety and barriers to this idea that God is providing everything that we need. All right, so I think what it is, I'll throw this out there. I think we have a bullseye problem, and I'll explain that here in just a sec. But before I do, I do, I want to go back. You know, there are some folks uh, who aren't able to meet their daily needs on their own, right? And I'm not really talking to you guys here this morning. I, I don't believe in some of the things I, I might say could sound a little trivial. If you're, if you're already relying on God to provide your daily needs, right? Uh, and there's some folks, and you you already have this laser focus, and you say, yes, I need God to be able to provide these daily needs. Uh, Uh, listen along and and we'll talk about that. Or you're hurting, you've got uh, something going on in your life where you're laser focused on God and you really aren't trusting him for your uh, daily needs. I don't want to trivialize uh, that. I'm really not talking about folks in that situation. And there's folks here that maybe don't believe in in all this. And I would just encourage you, you know, if you don't know that God will provide all your needs. Jesus loves you. He's chasing after you. He's going to catch you. So there's no need to run from him. Just go ahead and sign up right now. Really, Jesus will give you the things that you need. And if you earnestly pursue him, you're going to find uh, some great stuff. So I would encourage you. But this, this message really isn't for you uh, either. I'm really talking to the rest of us where our daily needs are, needs are kind of met. I think we have a bullseye problem. It's what are we aiming at? What are we looking at? What are we shooting at? I think because our daily needs are met, what we find ourselves doing is aiming for the comfort zone. I think we've got a target. Do we have a target, skip? There we go. So we, got, we aim in our daily situation, we're aiming for the comfort zone. What's in the comfort zone? I mean, aiming, we might not have it, but we're aiming for it. What, what's in the comfort zone? A pool, nice house, good vacation. Plenty of money, right? In my comfort zone, there's probably a lot of quiet and a lot of babysitters that don't eat all your food. (laughs) Oh, there's great food, right, in the comfort zone. Oh, uh, what else is in the comfort zone? Great friends that make us feel good about ourselves. Um, Maybe some Nice shoes, uh, lots of wine, big couch, drum set, you know. So, you know, I think that a lot of times our aim is this zone of comfort. Daily needs are taken care of. Let's improve on that. Let's get the bigger stuff, the better stuff, faster stuff. So our focus is in the zone of comfort. Every once in a while... We'll step out of our comfort zone into the zone of reliance or we're forced out into the zone of reliance, right? And we look to God and we, God takes care of whatever situation that we're looking for, but we never change our focus from the zone of comfort because that's still our aim, right? And then sometimes we get really dumb and uh, the zone of stupidity becomes our focus and I don't, midlife crises, uh, middle school, (laughs) joking, the middle school guys are in here, man, I'm joking, hey, so I I help teach the middle schoolers, Uh, and let me tell you, man, you know, we make those jokes, and it's funny, I like it, uh, because I was super stupid in middle school, these guys are not, I don't know what they're feeding them, or uh, what they're teaching them, but those guys and gals in that middle school, they're not, it's not the same, they're way sharper, than we were as kids. But that's, that's an aside. So sometimes we, we venture out into the zone of stupidity, but we come back and we focus in the zone of comfort. And there may be a lot of you, some of you, saying, well, Dave, what's wrong with the zone of comfort? What's wrong with it? You know, individually, most of those things, you break them down, there is nothing wrong with any of those things individually. There's nothing wrong with having a nice house. There's nothing wrong with having food to eat. There's nothing wrong being properly insured. There's nothing wrong with having too many vans. There's nothing wrong with each one of those things individually. But the problem with the comfort zone, the zone of comfort, who's in charge in the zone of comfort? Who's in charge? Me. Me. I'm, in, I'm not in charge of your zone of comfort. You're on your own on that one. But no, I'm in charge of my zone of comfort, right? And I can, and I know it. I know what I want. I know what I can work towards. I know I can set goals and I know I can achieve a great vacation. I'd love to go to, to Hawaii someday. Wouldn't that be great? You know, people talk about how great it is. I'd love to see it, you know? But that's the problem, right? It's not the comfort things it is that we're in charge of the zone of comfort and all of our focus when left to our own devices we kind of focus on the the zone of comfort when what should we be looking at i think we know it is the zone of reliance who's in charge in the zone of reliance god but yeah we're in charge of the comfort zone but god is in charge of the zone of reliance right because we're relying on him We're we're aiming at God. We know he's going to provide all of our needs. So then we're saying, God will rely on you. So why the anxiety, the fear? Why do we have such a problem? I think it's because we're afraid possibly of losing these things that make us comfortable or the things that we believe that we've worked for, right, to get, These things, I I think, possibly. Um, But two, if we exclude God from our daily living and our daily focus and what we're aiming at, then we're not giving God an opportunity to provide for us, right? We're not giving God these daily opportunities to give to us and for us to see how he's working in our lives. We just kind of bypass him because we've got all our daily needs met. And then we start worrying about the risk and the stuff. And then we start getting all Googled up. So, uh, you know, it's worth noting again in Matthew six twenty-five, that Jesus said, don't be anxious about your life. When God is the center and the focus, fear and anxiety are unreasonable, unreasonable and unnecessary. Unreasonable, unnecessary, if you have the right bullseye. You know what I would like to do right now, too? Uh, there, I would like, there's a real practical difference when you're shooting at the different bullseyes in our everyday life. So, Jay, will would you mind coming up here? I know you didn't expect to do this. I didn't talk to anybody. Amber Gall, you don't have to if you don't want to. Would you like to come up here? I should have told you all before, but so just and this this really and um, uh, this isn't going to be too taxing. So I'm sorry to to catch you guys by surprise, um, Amber. Is so inspiring. I, uh, you know, um, I, she's talked and we've seen her on uh, the videos. Her and Justin, holy smokes, and the things that they're doing in foster care, and it is really amazing. So thanks for coming up here. And I'm really sorry to hijack you, Jay. Will, what a great dude. He does uh, some great stuff. Uh, was a leader uh, for Young Life and just a great community uh, guy. So let's do this. Let's do some hypotheticals. I want to put the zone of comfort across from the zone of reliance and do a few hypotheticals. There we go. So let me ask a hypothetical. Jay, Will, are you scared right now? A little bit. Oh, and your mic doesn't work, so there you go. There we go. It works. Okay, sorry. So let's say, for example, you had a neighbor whose roof was leaking, all right? Yeah, let's say, and it cost a lot of money, thousands of dollars maybe, right? Um, But she can't afford to fix it. And you're a neighbor, you want to care for her or whatever. If you're in the zone of comfort, if that's your aim, what do you think you do in that situation? Look the other way. Yeah, you know, uh, she'll get it. That's not a problem, right? That's good. Yeah. Now, what if you were Jay Will? What would you do to help your neighbor? Uh, Start a Facebook fundraiser Because she does a lot of stuff for a lot of other people And not very many people do things for her So you start a Facebook fundraiser To raise money to help her fix her roof And how how much money would you raise through your Facebook fundraiser? Uh, $5,000 See that's a real, that's not a hypothetical That is exactly what Bree and Jay Will Did for their neighbor Who needed a new roof and couldn't afford it They started a Facebook page So man that's tremendous (laughs) by the way Thank you All right all right, Amber, I'm going to see if I can, I can uh, give you an easier one. Uh, there's a line at the checkout. All right, there's this jerk you're friends with on Facebook. He might look like me. But no, no, and you don't like him and you don't want to, you really don't want to spend time with him. But you know, he's going through some bad stuff or, or you know, maybe it's a she. She's going through some bad stuff. And she's sitting there in the line and you see her. And what do you do if you're shooting at the zone of comfort? grocery store. Run away, man. Go around. Yay. Whoa, man. I see people doing that to me at the grocery store, right? They really do. And I don't know. I don't know, you know, I don't know if I, if I should be offended. I'm like, why well, don't, are they afraid, like, they'll never get away? I don't know. So, I'm, I don't take it personally, Jay. So, but what if you're in the zone of reliance? What would you do if you're in the zone of reliance and you came across that situation? I would hug them. Oh, and you would. See, that's the thing. Oh, Amber's so great, man. Oh, that's awesome. All right. So one last one. And either one of y'all can feel this. So let's say we had big kick soccer coming up. <laughs> and let's say Sissonville needed a lot of coaches. And they needed a lot of volunteers. And let's say the West Side needed uh, coaches. For soccer all right let's say you were focused in on the zone of comfort what would you do stay at home stay at home forget it man maybe schedule a vacation right (laughs) that'd be great all right but what would you do if you had to focus on the zone of reliance probably be a coach. And of course, I'm not trying to guilt either one of you guys out. am trying to guilt them out. <laughs> All right. Hey, thank you guys very much. Sorry to hijack you like that. That was great. Oh. So what is the bullseye solution? How do we solve this problem? I think It's not a huge shift. So much of it is just you and the way that you think and maybe restructuring some of how you live your daily life to create opportunities for God to act in your life. So uh, let's look. Yeah, the bullseye solution. Creating daily reliance, daily reliance. So, um, and we'll talk about different, different specific examples of how to do that. But really this idea of structuring your daily existence so that God has opportunities to work. What's the first thing that you need to do to create a daily reliance on God? I think you need to take an inventory of, your major barriers that you have. Um, You know, we use uh, the churchy term of idol a lot, uh, you know, in some of the books and some of the things you may have read. It's uh, And when we talk about an idol, it's just really, what are you putting in place? What are you substituting God with in your life? What are these big things that you're kind of focused on in this zone of comfort or just in your daily existence that's kind of supplanting your focus on God or what you're shooting your bullseye at? What are the questions to ask in that to help identify that? What am I most afraid to lose? What are you most afraid to lose? When you pick that? It's potentially an idol for you, that could create a problem for you, uh, putting God in your daily existence. And what do you sit around and daydream about? What do you think when you got five minutes and you just want to think great things? Do you think about winning the lottery? I do that. I like that one. That's a good one, lottery. I think about vacations. I like to do that, you know. Well, that can give you an indication, too, of some of the things that you're kind of uh, idolizing or or putting uh, on a pedestal instead of God, or some of these things that could be barriers for you to having a daily reliance on God. And I would encourage you, these things aren't going to go away overnight. Um, you know, and I'm not saying necessarily that those are bad things. You just have to have a focus on God and you have to put things in the right place. God's got to be first and those things have to be second. Identify them, start giving them up to God, start praying about them, start working through with other people about them and uh, hopefully... Uh, those will kind of take their right place. All right, so how do we practically create a daily reliance on God? Let's look at food. How can you use food? If we have food, then it's never a problem of do we have enough to eat? How can we use food in our daily life to help get our focus on God and the reliance on God? Uh, The spiritual discipline of fasting is great. If if you haven't done that, that's a good thing uh, to look into Oh man, you get, you get to the afternoon on a fast. There's no doubt you're focused on God <laughs> because you're so stinking hungry, right? Uh, I'm telling you, it is a great way to kind of incorporate food into your day to be able to focus on God. Another great way, go feed others. There are plenty of people in West Virginia. There are plenty of people in Kanawha County. There are plenty of people in Charleston who are going without, who have needs. Second Avenue Center every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. River Ridge Church provides meals to the Second Avenue Center. We need people to prepare meals each one of those days, and we need folks to help serve those meals every week. We have huge holes in that serving process. We're doing a good job of making it go, but we need a lot more people to make it happen, and that is a great way To serve others. Uh, The Crossroads Men's Shelter is a great place to go serve others who need food. To use food so you... And it makes you uncomfortable, right? And it's hard. It's hard to get the time together. It's hard to get everything together to get down there and do it. But then it focuses you on God. You put your reliance on God. So that's a good way to use food. How about finances? We can use finances. If you're not being financially responsible... A great way to have focus on God is to start getting your financial house in order, right? Todd Griffith uh, does, a uh, Todd and Sarah Griffith both do a Dave Ramsey uh, financial peace university uh, lesson every year. It's about six, seven weeks. It is great. It is a great program. Start getting your finances in order and that will definitely create a daily reliance on God. If you kind of feel comfortable in that area, Give generously, give sacrificially, to some things, to where you think about it, to make, to where it makes you rely on God about what's going to happen to that money. And something that I do that I really appreciate is first fruits. Uh, what comes in first, I give out to God, right? So when I write checks every couple of weeks, I always give to river, and I, I don't do it automatically. I know a lot of folks like to do the automatic, but I like to ponder and think about it and pray about it and give it, right? So I like to give those things one by one uh, and think about it and pray about it and then give it uh, to all the different uh, ministries and things that we donate to. So I would encourage you to do that. Other ways that you can uh, have create daily reliance on God, do things that are going to make you uncomfortable. Do things that challenge you. When we're challenged, when we're uncomfortable, we, we look to God, right? So I would encourage you to get involved in those things, especially in the serving area, like we talked about with more. Get involved in something that makes you a little uncomfortable. Get involved in a small group. Be rubbing shoulders with folks that you can talk about your uh, uh, daily issues with and who are going to get you focused on God and who are going to be accountability for you to be focused on God. And you want two great ones? Do what Jesus said. This will make you uncomfortable. Love your neighbor. Take care of your neighbor's needs. That will make you uncomfortable. That will stretch you and that will force you to look at God. And it's a commandment of Jesus. And in this day and age of politics and Scrapping and anger and all that jazz. All right. If you really believe that the other side, whichever side you're on, if you really believe that the other side is the enemy, first they're not, whichever side it is, they're not the enemy. However, if you really believe that, or if you know people that really believe that and are trying to follow Jesus, I got really bad news. Love your enemy. Love them. You don't fight with them. You don't tell them they're wrong. You don't try to subvert them. You don't try to do all the mean, nasty business that I see day after day. What do you do? You love them. Love them. Jesus said that too, right? Hey, so I'll I'll end up with a uh, church has left the building story. So I put myself in an uncomfortable situation, uh, helping out, um, the neighbor-to-neighbor neighbor project, it was great. I love Churches Left the Building. I love what it does for the church. But it doesn't, it, boy, it's hard to be a project leader. Uh, sometimes, you know, working teams here uh, at River Ridge is tough, right? Uh, so we did this neighbor-to-neighbor, neighbor and I went down there, and I met with our neighbor, and we walked through the house. And she, she was like, well, this is an issue, and that's an issue, and this is an issue, and that's an issue, and this is an issue. And, I, and the, the list just got longer and longer and longer. And everything really needed to be, some of it was dangerous, you know? And boy, I felt I was in an impossible situation. I really did. Uh, Came back, started praying about it. I felt inadequate. And The the major project was there was a window, all right? Um, There's an autistic uh, guy that lives in that room and one day his mom left, and he didn't quite understand that you know, and she had to go; she couldn't stay. So he was so upset he didn't want her to leave. Uh, he kind of busted the window out, and the city was coming by and saying, "Hey, you got to do something about this." And and so I've never put in a window. I've got I got uh, interior skills and that kind of thing, but it, a window is not something I'd ever done and not very comfortable with. Man, so I. Prayed about this. I said, oh, God, you're going to have to come through. And you'll see Adam Anderson right there in the bottom right-hand corner, and he's sitting over here on the front row. Man. So I went up to Adam, and I'm like, Adam, can you help out with this uh, project? He's like, no sweat. And so uh, he got on board. Uh, We had a couple of other great, talented, skilled folks all came together. And let me tell you, so you can see the before picture on the window, the after uh picture on the window. We got a bunch of ceiling fans put up. We did a lot of uh, uh, good um, work inside. We put up a bunch of drywall, all in five hours. I mean, it was an impossible task, I thought. I mean, in five hours, we got all that stuff done. And so, you know, praise to God, because uh, I didn't think it was possible. So, I mean, I'd encourage you. Uh, yeah, thank you. So I say that, I appreciate that but what I'd really like for you guys to take from that is I want you all to be in that same situation. I want you to be on a project helping our neighbors, River Ridge, to say, you know, um, I can't do this on my own. God is going to have to provide for this to happen. So, all right, let's pray. Lord, thank you that you do provide us with everything that we need from our salvation to our food. And, We pray, Lord, that you could just get us focused on you to put you at the center. Let us focus on your kingdom and let go of this stuff that's in this world. Thank you for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.